bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's word. Today we're going to look at uh, a story that is very compelling because many times, you know, we, we want something from God, we desire something from God, and, and we come through obstacles, and then we give up, and, and, and we don't push through again, and, and, and so we don't receive what we started to receive from God. My message today is simply titled, How Great Is Your Faith? How great is your faith? How far are you ready to go in your walk with God? How far are you ready to go to believe God for a miracle? How far are you ready to go in your determination about your walk with God? How great is your faith? The story is in Matthew's Gospel, and it's in chapter 15 of Matthew's Gospel from verse 21 to 28. At this point in the life of Jesus, uh, he's facing a lot of uh, resistance to his ministry among the Jews. And so Jesus uh, moves outside of the Jewish areas and goes to the Gentile areas. And basically, he goes there to keep away from the public light. And uh, so people, you know, he, people would just stop uh, attacking him. And then he would come back again. So he, he moves to the non-Jewish areas just to have some time of respite. But then he has an encounter there uh, from people who don't want him to rest. You know, because one thing I've noticed in this ministry is when you want to rest, people will make sure you don't rest. So Jesus uh, has this encounter with a woman who doesn't want him to rest. Uh, and hide in secret. So let's read the story. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Amen. Amen. How great is your faith? You know, the people Jesus described as great people who had great faith were not his disciples. In fact, when he 
talked about the faith of his disciples who had been with him, been around him, heard him for so long, seen his miracles, seen his power. He would ask them, where is your faith? Or, O ye of little faith. But he's talking to people who are not very close to him, have not seen too many of his miracles, and he describes them as people with great faith. The other person that Jesus described as great faith, having great faith, was the centurion, uh, who was also not a Jew, was not a follower of Jesus, but Jesus described his faith as great faith. How is it that people who go to church for all their lives have very little faith? And people who just come in and, 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 and just start the Christian walk or just encounter Jesus have great faith. I think there is something about familiarity that makes us lose the immediacy of the power and presence of God. This woman is described in the Bible as a Canaanite. Mark's gospel describes her as a Syrophoenician woman. Whichever you take, it means she is not a Jew. Uh, but the reason Matthew describes her as a Canaanite because she belonged to the larger Canaanite group. And if you know anything about the Canaanites, they were the people who were in the land of the Israelites that God told Moses and Joshua to get them out of. So Canaanites really are not people who like God much and people that God really has a favorable attitude towards. But this woman, although she is a Canaanite, comes to Jesus because she has a problem. She says her daughter is in trouble. And she describes the state of the daughter as demon-possessed. So it gives me the impression that there is something happening to her that is defying conventional responses. Maybe doctors or herbalists or people have tried and nothing seems to work. So she comes to the conclusion that it is a demonic situation. Remember, Jesus was not the one who said it was demonic. She was the one who said it was demonic. So she comes and the Bible says she cries to Jesus. And I want us to examine what she said. We're going to examine all the steps that went through here. The first thing we look at is her cry. There are two things he said in her cry. The first one, she said, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Why is she asking for mercy? She could have said, help me, but she said, have mercy on me. Because this woman was a Syrophoenician. She knew she was not entitled to a miracle. She was not a Jew. The only way she could receive a miracle from Jesus was on the basis of mercy. Mercy is a very powerful force because mercy goes beyond merit. Mercy goes beyond your qualification. Mercy is not based on how good you are, how qualified you are, how great your case is. Mercy is favor. So what the woman is saying is, I don't deserve it, but I need it. I don't have what it takes to get it, but I need it. And the only way I can get it is mercy. It's like standing in front of a very nice car, 
maybe, uh, I don't know what's the most expensive car uh, in town now, but I'm sure it's either going to be a Mercedes-Benz or something close to that, or a Hummer or something, you know. But you stand in front of this car, and, and you like it. Maybe a nice Mercedes-Benz, very expensive. You like it. You smell the aroma of the brand new car. And you say, wow, I, I need this car. But you can't buy it. You can't buy it because your salary cannot even buy the spare tire. <laughs> but you want the car. How are you going to get it? You can't buy it. The only way you can get it is for somebody to show you favor. That means that somebody says, you don't have the money, but I buy it and give it to you as a gift. So for you to have something you don't have the qualification for, the only way available to you is mercy. Mercy. And that's what the woman understood. I don't qualify for a miracle. I need it. And so she comes and says, Lord, have mercy on me. Mercy goes beyond merit. Mercy also goes beyond man. Mercy is an act of God. What she's asking for is something that only God can do. It is God acting in a sovereign capacity. Lord, have mercy on me. I can't do much about this thing. I can't even have so much faith. I just need you to do something in your own power to solve this problem. I'm sure many of us are in a state where we need mercy. I don't know about you, but I need mercy. Because there are things I need from God that my faith is not even strong enough to claim. Beyond faith, there is mercy. And you can say, Lord, I believe. My faith is small, but you are merciful. I believe that God is able to give you something beyond what you merit, and he's able to give you something that no man is able to give you. And it is on the basis of mercy. I want you to keep that in mind. She approached Jesus and she established the terms of engagement. This is going to be based on mercy. Because it plays throughout the whole story. The second part of what she cried about, it says, she said, O oh Lord, son of David. O oh Lord, son of David. Now, it was a very strange thing for her to say that because she's not a Jew. The Jews were the only ones who had a right to, to expect a Messiah or knew that the Messiah would come from David. But this woman somehow also knew that Jesus was the Messiah because that phrase, O oh Lord, son of David, is a messianic title. She acknowledged that Jesus is both Lord and she is man, son of David. So let's look at those two statements. O oh Lord, what does that mean? It means that you are the creator, you are the ruler. This refers to God who is above everything. She recognized that Jesus was Lord. Jesus was above. Oh Lord, you are above. You are great. But not only that, he also called 
him son of David, meaning you are with us. So the one who is above is with us. Emmanuel, God, the one who is above, with us. What she stated was a profound theological fact that Jesus is both Lord and man. He's both Lord and son of David. He's both above and with us. He's with us, but he's above us. He's above us, but he's still with us. And she had this profound understanding that this man who is walking by in this village is God. But not only God, but he's man. Remember, it took a long time for the disciples of Jesus to come to this realization that Jesus was the son of God. He asked them, actually, the next chapter, whom do men say that I am? They say, well, some say you are Elijah, some say you are Jeremiah, some say you are one of the prophets. Whom do you say I am? And they were quiet. Until Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed to you. Now, before Peter said that, this woman recognized Jesus is Lord and the son of David. So there is something profound about this woman and her attitude towards Jesus. She has a problem. She's not a Jew. She's not part of the people who have access to God's miracle. But she has a revelation of who Jesus is. The basis on which you approach Jesus will determine the basis on which he deals with you and what you can receive from him. Now, you would think that Jesus will hear this great confession. You, Jesus, Lord, Son of David, God, man. And you would think Jesus would turn around and say, wow, everybody listen, this woman has caught a revelation. But she's proclaiming this confession for Jesus to help her. But she faces three barriers. And interestingly, the barriers were not created by people, it was created by Jesus. You see, when, when you have a problem and your opponent is the devil, you can talk to God about it. But when you have a problem and your opponent is God, whom do you talk to? When you want a miracle from Jesus and Jesus is giving you a tough time, whom do you go to and say, help me? When you have a storm, you can talk to Jesus. When you have only five loaves and two fish, you can talk to Jesus. But when Jesus says, I don't want to deal with you, whom do you talk to? And that was the problem of this woman. Jesus is the one who is frustrating her efforts. So she comes with this confession, Jesus, son of David, Lord, son of David, and she faces the first barrier. The first barrier is what I call the silence barrier. The silence barrier. The Bible says he answered her not a word. Now you get from the story that this woman didn't just say it once. Lord, 
have mercy on me, son of David. She didn't just say it once. She just kept saying it. If you actually read Mark's account, she said it from, from town to the house. Wherever Jesus was going, she's shouting and claiming, Lord, son of David, Jesus, have mercy. And, and, and she kept on till Jesus entered a home. So it's a long time, and she has this silent barrier. Now that is very uncharacteristic of Jesus. Because when you read the Bible, Jesus was very instantaneous in responding to people's requests. When people come to him, they say, Lord, help me. He helps them. He doesn't say, wait. There are a few times in the Bible that he hesitates to respond to a request. And all of that, he did it specifically to get greater glory. The first was Lazarus. Lazarus, you know, the Bible says, they told Jesus, Lazarus uh, is, is sick. Come and help him. And Jesus just spent a couple of days. And, and then later on, told his disciples, Lazarus is asleep. Let's go and wake him up. Uh, he waited till Lazarus died before he went. And he didn't do that because he didn't want to help him, but he wanted to show greater glory. Everybody say greater glory. I just believe God wants to show greater glory out of your life. The second instant was a man called Jairus. And Jairus brought his daughter, came to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick. And instead of Jesus going to heal uh, Jairus' daughter, he's, he, he's hesitant. I'm not just hesitant, but he delays his going. And in the process, so many things are happening. A woman with an issue of blood comes to touch him. He gets healed. And, and people are touching him. Jesus is teaching and so on. And then some people come and say to Jairus, don't bother the master any longer. Uh, you know, your daughter is dead. And, and, and Jesus says, fear not. Fear not. He delayed. He didn't answer instantly because he wanted greater glory. Somebody say greater glory. Say God will work a greater glory in my life. Now that is what is happening here. Jesus did not respond. It's uncharacteristic. And anytime Jesus does anything uncharacteristic, he does it because he wants to prove a point. He wants to teach a very profound lesson. So we have to find out what he wants to teach. There is a silence. Silence. But as I said last week, God's silence is not his rejection. God's silence is not a rejection. The interesting thing uh, is that when, when Jesus is silent about what is going on, the disciples are the ones who are acting and they are saying, Lord, Get, this woman is troubling us. Now, the disciples of Jesus, they were human beings. And no matter how much, you know, they saw compassion, they, they just didn't understand it, you know. Lord, this woman, she's bothering us. She's in the church, she's there. Every time you get out, she's standing there. Every day, she's there. She's following us. Jesus, son of David, son of David. Tell her to go home. So not only is Jesus giving her silence, but her the, the, the disciples really want to get rid of this woman. She's a nuisance. Now, apart from that, she's not a Jew. She's not a church member. She's not part of us. But God's silence is not a rejection. Just because you can't hear him speak doesn't mean 
he's abandoned your case. Normally in the Bible, God's silence is a test of faith. God wants to know how far you want to go, how deep is your faith. Because in his silence, his mercy is always present. He loved the woman. He wanted to heal their daughter. But he wanted to know how deep her faith is. There are many times for most Christians where you pray and you get instant answers. You just pray and it happens. Sometimes you just pray, boom, and five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, it just, it happens. Just, and it can continue for a long time. You just pray, it happens. You just pray, it happens. You dream something's going to happen and it happens. And then you enter another season where you pray and nothing happens. And most times we begin to wonder, you know, has God forgotten about me? Maybe God is busy in China. He's forgotten about us in Ghana. No. We trust him when he speaks. We trust him when he's silent. We trust him when he acts. We trust him when we don't see him acting. Our faith is not just based on what he does for us. Our faith is based on who he is. We trust him because of who he is. So this woman faces silence. Now, let's face it. If Jesus gives you silence treatment and the church members will want to sack you, don't you think the wisest thing to do is just pack your bag and say, I don't like this church. These people, they are not friendly, you know. And she will have a case if she goes and says, these Jesus people, they are not friendly. They don't like people. I went, I, I opened my heart, I spoke to the man, and the disciples sat me, and the man, he said, he didn't even reply. All right. So, Jesus keeps silent, and then Jesus begins to speak. Now, when he speaks, you think, oh, now he's going to speak, and he's going to really comfort this woman. He throws in a second barrier. Jesus throws in a second barrier. What is a second barrier? It's a covenant barrier. Jesus says to the woman, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now that is major. Jesus says, I'm not even here for you. I was not sent to you. At this time in my life, and remember Jesus had only three years, three and a half years of earthly ministry. The focus was to bring the Jews back home and then after he died the rest of the world will be reconciled so at this time his priority is the Jews and he says I have to focus on the initial ministry to bring the Jews in in my death and resurrection the gospel is preached to everybody and everybody comes in but at this time it's the Jews and you are not part of the group now how are you going to feel if Jesus tells you you are not included. So what Jesus was saying simply is that she was not part of God's covenant people. That's major. You are not part. She was not part of the lordship of the house of Israel. And since God relates to us on the basis of covenant, there was no covenant and she, she, there's no basis for God to even answer her prayer. Because there's no covenant on which God can base his relationship with her to answer her prayer. 
But not only is she not part of God's covenant people, she is part of a doomed community. She's a Canaanite. The Canaanites were godless people who were judged in antiquity for idolatry. So Jesus is telling her, under the current dispensation, you don't qualify. You don't qualify. If you wait enough, long enough for me to die and shed my blood and resurrect, you will qualify. So if you can wait, you will qualify. But this this side of Calvary, you don't qualify. The other side of Calvary, you qualify. Because then everybody qualifies. But at this time, only the Jews are pressing in. When I die, everybody comes in. Which is really what he came to do, to open the door to everybody. But at this time when he's physically on earth, it's the Jews. So, so Jesus is saying, you don't qualify. Now let's face it. I mean, it's one thing when I say you don't qualify. But what if Jesus says you don't qualify? You come to Jesus, can you imagine you're, you're praying, you say, God help me! And God speaks and say, hey, I am the Lord God, and you don't qualify. So God, why? You are a Canaanite. Now, by this time, the woman now has evidence from Jesus that she doesn't qualify. She can say, well, not only is the man silent, and his disciples rude who want to send me away, but the man himself shut the door right in my face. I'm going home. So that's the barrier. It's a huge barrier. It's put there by Jesus. This is the first time Jesus is putting a barrier in front of anybody. Most times he's reaching out to everybody, but for this woman, for some reason, it's becoming tough for her. It's becoming very difficult. It seems as if there is a deliberate attempt by Jesus himself to stop her from receiving her miracle. So what did she do? When Jesus tells you you don't qualify, what do you do? And she did something very profound. Verse 25 says, Then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. Now, when I was reading this, you know, as I was preparing the message, the, the picture I had in my, in my mind is this woman is told by Jesus, I'm, I'm not sent to you. You don't qualify. And she throws herself at his feet and lies down there prostrate and says, Lord, Even when you say I don't qualify, you are still Lord. She is saying, I know who you are. I know your nature. I know your character. I know you are merciful. And I know even if I don't qualify because you are who you are, you can do something about this. I don't qualify. I can't get it on my own merit. There's nothing I can do about this. But you are Lord. 
And there is something you can do about this. This woman is pressing through her faith. She has an understanding of what is going on there. The disciples have no understanding. Nobody understands what is going on. But she has a revelation of who Jesus is and knows that in Jesus, even when we don't qualify, there is an aspect of him that can qualify us. And it is called mercy. And she discovers what releases mercy is worship. What releases mercy is worship. So if law cannot qualify me, worship will open the door for me. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mansah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.